Welcome to the Hidden Why podcast, episode 971. This is my interview with Melissa Steganus, and we're discussing everyday mindfulness. I hope you enjoy. Melissa, welcome to the Hidden Why podcast. Great to have you here. Thank you. Great to be here. You're over in Canada. Yes, it's freezing. Is it? It's nice and warm here. Oh, nice. We have snow. We usually never get snow here on Vancouver Island. We mostly get rain, but decided to be a little bit magical today and their snow has fallen out the window. So that's, that's nice. So awesome. That's cool. Yeah. In Australia, we, um, we don't really experience that as much. So it's, it's quite a bit of a novelty. And I certainly know for myself, having those experiences is just, yeah, as you said, magical. Mm-hmm. Um, now you've got a book out. Uh, looks like it's recently been launched, Everyday Mindfulness. Mindfulness is a very important topic and something we discuss here on this show regularly, um, but perhaps from a little bit of a, a different perspective today, because I know you're, you're quite a bit about productivity too, and you sort of interwine the two, yeah? Yeah, exactly. I like to to explore the the relationship between things that are often perceived as being on opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. How long have you been um, sort of in mindfulness studies and, and productivity? Is it your background, career background, or...? Yeah, I mean, everything's sort of been mixed together over the years, but um, mindfulness is a, a quality, a practice, an exploration, a study that I've woven into my life for the last decade, I would say, fairly regularly, that and and self-care. And in the way, you know, like you on this podcast and in your work, explore it from a, a different angle. I think it's important to sort of define for yourself and to find the angle or the perspective that works best for you. So that's been a bit of a, a personal project over the last 10 years. Um, and then in the in the terms of productivity specifically, that's been really the last seven, eight years um, that I've really dove into productivity, redefining what it looks like for me to be to be productive, to be effective more than just efficient, you know, redefining these terms like mindfulness, productivity, success, whatever it might be in the context of personal freedom and fulfillment. Additionally, or, or in addition to um, what we're usually taught in mainstream messages around being really efficient and streamlining your workflow. I think there's always a, a bigger picture and a more personal element to it. Yeah, absolutely. I like your idea of combining things together. And I think that's why it's nice to listen to different conversations about you know similar topics because you, you'd have to create your own perspective and come up with the solution that works best for you. And I think that's where we're often misguided as we listen and we try to be guided by all this external information rather than use that external information and, and uh, turn it around from within, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's often because we're we're taught that we need a formula or a blueprint. And I think that while others, you know, experiences and insights are incredibly helpful and can certainly save us a lot of time and a lot of headache, um, you know, professionally and personally, I do think that there, it, it is so important, like you've just said, to piece it together for yourself and be willing to, you know, think critically about certain things to define certain terms for yourself based on what you know and what you need and how you feel and kind of put your own puzzle together so that ultimately, I mean, it needs to work for you, right? For me to come on, you know, this podcast, for instance, and say, here are my five steps for a more mindful life. That's 
that can be extremely helpful, but you know, that maybe that's only the beginning. Yeah. That's listening, right? Like then take it and apply it and play with it and shape it and mold it because that's what life is about. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's um, one of the biggest sort of lessons I've, I've had in the last several years as I uh, started exploring within and trying to figure out, you know, how to live my life uh, according to my values, etc. Um, is that, you know, you have to do that. You can't just follow the status quo. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. It's not going to last, you know, very long. <laughs> no, you've got, so what's your background? I mean, are you, you're a coach now, are you? I've done coaching for the last little while. I've actually, um, now that, I mean, it's 2021, we've had a bit of a funny year mm. uh, last year with, with COVID and with 2020. Yeah. So um, my background is primarily in social work um, and in healthcare. Yeah. And so that's where I've pulled a lot of my expertise from. And, you know, I've played with mindfulness um, and taught it to people in a coaching setting, to people in a clinical setting, in hospitals, in, you know, addiction detox facilities, with families, in all kinds of different contexts and settings. And, um, and now with how things have played out, I suppose, throughout 2020, I'm finding that I'm shifting back into um, more of the the medical and the clinical setting for the year ahead. So it's it's always so interesting to see, you know, how the things that you learn and the little tips and insights and things you pick up can apply to, I would say, any situation, like any context, just mm-hmm. that things are so malleable in that sense. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so the journey continues, I, I suppose, hey? but you're, you're on a path that I'm, I'm guessing is, is much aligned with what you value. Has that always been the way? Have you found that, you know, from a younger age, you were always aligned within or, or did you have to do some work? Oh, I definitely had to do some work. Yeah. <laughs> always doing the work, still doing the work. Um, but I mean, I was raised by a single mother who is a very insightful person and a clinical psychologist. And so these these values, these ideas of, you know, self-awareness, um, empathy, compassion, self-exploration, like it was really part of my my upbringing from a very young age and mm. something, you know, my, my my tendency to ask questions like my mom always jokes when I was... A, a toddler when I was really, really young, I would just live off of asking why. And I think probably a lot of kids are the same. And yet often as adults, you know, we, we grow out of that. We accept things. We look for that formula, that blueprint, and there's value in that, but there's so much value in asking questions and, and kind of getting to know yourself, what you want, what you value and the world around you. So asking questions. Yeah, it's a great one. I mean, we're we're shut off from that. And and I see it in my own, I've got young kids and, um, and I know that it's the, the reality is that we tell kids not to ask questions and, um, we don't encourage questions and in school we're ordered to listen. Um, and then, you know, naturally we're born to ask questions. We're born to ask why we're, we're curious beings. And I think by shutting it off uh, externally in our education and our upbringing, we then shut it off internally as well, so we stop asking questions within and we just start listening and, and being guided by all the external forces. Yeah, absolutely. Listening and, and also 
just continuing to shut those down. And oftentimes, you know, you'll have things come up emotionally inside of you or you feel like physically uncomfortable because you're dealing with certain stressors. And instead of being willing to explore that, right, and asking yourself questions and and being able to sort of sit in that discomfort and unpack it a little bit, we just want to shut it down. We live in an age where it's very easy to distract ourselves. So it's, you know, it, it becomes second nature to just pick up the phone or the laptop or whatever it might be, um, or, or the bottle for some people, right? Like it's just asking questions can feel incredibly daunting and scary and it doesn't have to be. And I try to take, you know, it can be, it can be really uncomfortable, but again, to be able to give yourself permission to explore that a little bit. And I try to take uh, an approach that is a little bit more playful and experimental and that gives permission to, to explore those things that maybe feel unfamiliar or uncomfortable. Why do you think they are uncomfortable? Because they're unfamiliar? Certainly can be, yeah, because of the messages that sometimes we receive um, around fear around, you know, how we're taught to respond to certain things. Like you hear statements of, oh, that's just the way it is. Or you talked about, you know, with kids, you're sort of, you're taught to just shut down those questions that you have instead Mm -hmm. of asking and exploring. It's like, you just accept this is the world we live in. This is how things are. And you hear that narrative over and over again in, in the minds and throughout the behaviors of adults as well. And that's why I think there are, there's just, there's midlife crises, right? There's quarter life crises, there's crises of all kinds. And it's because those things, they remain in your body, right? They lead us to live in states of chronic stress. And physiologically, that adds up emotionally, mentally, in your relationships, like all of these things add up if you just continue to push them down deeper and deeper inside of you. And so to be willing to just sort of permit yourself to to explore those things, to mm. say, yeah, this is uncomfortable. And I, maybe I don't enjoy thinking about, you know, why when that person said that to me, it made me really insecure. Like that is not a, a fun topic to explore necessarily. And yet it's going to remain in your heart, in your mind, in your body, if you continue to ignore it. And it's very important to be willing to interact with it. And I think that's part of the appeal for me in exploring mindfulness, because having a practice that allows me to explore these, these ideas and these feelings and these experiences without feeling so entangled in them from a more, you know, objective point of view is it's just transformative Hmm. yeah i think if we um if we start listening in our inwardly we we um we do have that that fear that uncomfortableness and you know i I sort of feel um it's probably related much muchly so and you might be able to elaborate on this but to the need of fitting in like we just feel that if we listen and, and start to be more authentic ourselves, somehow we'll miss out and somehow we won't fit in and somehow we'll be, um, you know, ridiculed for that. And there's a sense of shame and um, vulnerability there, I guess. Yeah, 100%. You're absolutely right. And so much of that is 
because we're we're social creatures, right? Like yeah. as humans, we are social creatures. We're wired to connect. And part of that is vulnerability, which is scary and uncomfortable at times, and yet also incredibly beautiful and empowering and leads us to incredible connections and belonging with others and with ourselves when we're really honest with ourselves and open. And I mean, it's just, it can feel impossibly hard. And I think it leads us to, to become quite judgmental um, of ourselves because like you've said, you know, when you feel something, let's say, bubbling up inside of you, immediately the part of your brain, the limbic system, is protecting you or it jumps into that mode of, oh, th- we don't really like the way this feels right now. Something must be wrong. There must be a threat, right? And and we know that's because phys- physiologically the limbic part of your brain is wired to perceive threats and to pr- protect you from, mm. you know, the, the tiger or whatever is lurking behind and because there is no tiger, now that threat is is stress, is fear, is it's that fear of of not belonging. And so, we're, I think a lot of people, myself included, at times, um, which I think is important to note that even having explored self care mindfulness for over a decade, even after having you know written a book about it and yada yada, this is still work, right? Like it doesn't just, I don't just wake up and it comes naturally every second of every day. It is something that you need to, to give attention to and to really guide with intention um, and with purpose, which is what your podcast and your work is all about. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you touch on something really valid there. And I think it's, it's something that we, uh, perhaps don't consider enough, but life is work and, and the, the mm-hmm. game never ends. So you have to keep working on yourself and within and, and studying and, and reflecting. And I think that's a big part of where this whole piece of mindfulness comes in. Absolutely. The, yeah, um, I'm, I think so. I'm interested in, in productivity um, because I'm a, a sort of, I'm a busy person and um, I feel I'm pretty productive, but I also feel I probably do too much or work too much. I don't know, um, mm. but I enjoy it, you know, and um, yeah part of me it wears me down so what are your thoughts on productivity what does this term mean what is it all about I've I really explore productivity from kind of a if you can imagine a funnel I think oftentimes we get caught at the bottom of the funnel of trying to streamline all of the things that are already on our to-do list to make more efficient you know the laundry list of a hundred things that you have to do every week and if you actually like move up the funnel and look at the big picture, I approach productivity in a similar way that I would approach mindfulness, which is guided by those core values that you've mentioned and that, you know, I want to guide not only my personal life, but also my professional life because they are intertwined because it's less about, you know, that work-life balance and seeing them as opposing forces and more about work-life harmony and seeing your work as one facet of of your life one part of your day one thing that makes you know you you Hmm. and that whole balance piece man i wish i could figure that out because i like i mean i remember (laughs) i started the podcast and um you know this work-life balance term was always getting talked about and how you work and then you know switch off and then you've got your life but right now i feel that i'm i'm somehow um getting that harmony down pat where work and life are, are the same thing for me 
um, and I can afford to be doing work or at one moment I could be, you know, then playing with my kids. Um, and perhaps yes. work infiltrates my schedule a bit more than it should, but there is this tendency for the combination of the two. I, I completely agree and fantastic that you've been able to find that harmony. I really think I don't that know if I've found it's it. challenging. <laughs> I mean, it, and it's work too, right? And especially when it's entrepreneurship, because then you you are your work and your work is you. So how do you just shut that off? Mm. And when we say things like work-life balance or when we view work as some kind of like oppositional force to our life and who we are as a person, it's really hard to cultivate that harmony because you see it as, you know, it's like a threat almost to your personhood. It, it becomes mm. this... Yeah, like a problem. And I think that it's just not a healthy mentality. It 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 creates a lot of conflict and dissonance for, for folks that I've noticed and mm. certainly that I've experienced um, in my own journeys, right, and that have led to stress and burnout in the past. And actually just circling back to um, everyday mindfulness, although I do want to talk about productivity a little bit as well, this book is actually something that was born out of or after um, some pretty serious professional burnout in some of my previous work in social work and in counseling. And I just, I was like, I don't really understand how I'm meant to integrate this role that I was doing at the time into the rest of my life. Like the rest of my life. How long ago was this, this burnout? Taken over. This was at the end of 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Did you have I mindfulness have been, practices prior to that? Or is mindfulness sort of something that you've started because of that? I think I had a lot of very good ideas <laughs> at that time. Don't we all? <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing, right? Bridging the gap between what I know I should do and what I actually do on a regular basis. Mm. And I know I had kind of those cycles where I would I would rest and I would really give my my body and my heart and my mind the rest and the the repair that it needed and then I would just go full work mode. And I mean I was doing really heavy work in in healthcare and mental health and addictions. I was working all kinds of hours and just in, you know, with in some really challenging um contexts and and conversations and those things <sighs> They, they take their toll, right? And and so I had mindfulness practices wherein I would just kind of have my weekend and I would fill myself full of all these things. And then by the following, you know, Friday evening, I was just totally depleted again. And that's the reality for, for a lot of people. Um, but I realized for myself that I needed something like a little bit every day I've found in addition to you know, changing certain aspects of, of my work and my mm. lifestyle, mm. that that was just infinitely more effective and felt so much more sustainable that I was able to carry myself through the week and through beyond the week. Yeah, well, this is, and you, you touched on so many different points there. Um, I think the balance piece, and, and that's one thing I've, I've come to respect as well, you have to have, uh, well, for me anyway, I believe there needs to be that routine daily. It can't be I'll work for three months or I'll work for nine months and then have a holiday. Yeah, It's sort of every right. day. I'm going to have a little holiday every day. I'm going to do my mindfulness every day. I'm going to do my exercise every day. Um, and I've just been really trying this in the last few weeks actually to get a, a more solid routine down both morning and night. 
and I've found the benefits already. And it's still not there. I'm like, and I'm glad I'm talking to you because my mindfulness practices are out the window. You know, I, I I've got a few things that are kind of there, but um, not really. So I think you're right. You need to have that sort of daily discipline where you can work, but then you can also go, yep. Now I've got to stop this work and do my other work, which is on myself, which might be mindfulness for five minutes of meditation, or it might be exercise for thirty minutes, whatever that might be. You have to have that um, scheduled into your daily uh, routine, work and life routine. Um, you touched on something else there, and and I think it's it's a case of wisdom, and wisdom will only come if you continue to do the work that matters, if you continue to study and reflect and, and search within, um, and that's like you said, you know, you know what you should be doing, but perhaps you're not doing it, and wisdom is um, doing what you know you should do and, and avoiding those things that you shouldn't. Yes, exactly. And I think it's all too easy to get caught in the tendency of the opposite of knowing, you know, almost feeling comforted because you know that you should do this and you almost feel like, okay, well, I have the knowledge. I know what I should do. So that's, that's where I'll stop. But that's, that's just the beginning, right? You're on the cusp of it. Now it's taking that one step and that first step is the hardest, right? Mm. It's it's actually gaining the momentum, that inertia that's going to carry you forward. I mean, I find even for me, if I'm trying to build a new habit, I mean, it's the beginning of the year. Let's talk about a lot of people's New Year's resolutions. You want to go to the gym. And oftentimes the hardest part is just getting off the couch and going to the gym. And once you're there, you're going to do something, right? So I would say just start by making that commitment of trying something every day. Even if you say, I'm just going to do this for 60 seconds, right? If you want to, let's say you want to start meditating. I'm just going to close my eyes for 60 seconds a day and I, or I'm just going to take, you know, five deep breaths every day. And I guarantee that will be so much more sustainable and powerful in the long run because you'll stick to it versus starting with, you know, an hour a day in lotus position. Mm. I would say just, you know, start small, embrace that the most meaningful and lasting changes begin with those 1% incremental changes. That is how effective habits are built. Yeah, start small and increase them. But what I also think that is an important piece of the puzzle is to know why. Because I could say, yes, I'm just going to sit here every day in the morning or in the night, whatever, twice a day for you know, 60 seconds or five deep breaths. But if I'm doing that and not really making that connection with why I'm doing it and the importance right. behind it, I'll probably just Absolutely. give up. I'll probably go, ah, what am I even doing this for? And I'll just keep working. Mm-hmm. So how do we That's make that connection true. to the why? I think clarifying on why why is this important to me, right? Not just, I read this in a blog post and they said it was something that I should do. Like mm. that's, it, that's just not going to get you anywhere. But really... Going back to those values, like for me, I ask, what kind of life do I want to live? What kind of person do I want to be? Yeah. Right. I find like, how do I want to be as a person and thinking of those qualities that I want to cultivate things like self-compassion, compassion for others, you know, more patience. I want to be more present in my day and be more intimate with this life that I've you know, built around me that I've worked so hard to create. I want to engage with it on a regular basis. And actually connecting more to that value behind the practice versus just the practice itself like you said that is a key that's a key piece Hmm. absolutely yeah so we have to connect to those values and we know why what we're doing um there's got to be a reason for it i think you've we've talked about it getting that balance into the into the system into our daily routine is important because um we all know that 
like you said before, if you work hard all day, coming the night, your um, ability of self-control is going to be depleted and therefore you'll probably let things slip and you'll start doing the things you, you probably don't want to be doing um, to find an outlet, I suppose. And I think that comes to all of us, whether it be on the weekend, we hit the weekend and we, we let it all go, you know. But I think we have to, I don't know, maybe not everyone has to maintain it, but I, I certainly think I do. Um, and the question I want to ask you, I mean, we're talking about, you know, people like yourself, maybe entrepreneurs, etc. But there's many people out there that have a nine to five job or, a, you know, a work a working schedule. Is it different for them, this whole work life balance? Like they, you know, sh- they shouldn't have to come home and bring their work home necessarily, but perhaps there's a right. disconnect between their work and, and their values as well. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly different experiences, even if it's between two entrepreneurs, even if it's between, you know, two freelance contractors or two people working nine to five. Everyone has their own different experience of how your work affects your life and vice versa. I think the key there is really shifting from interpreting um, the relationship between work and life to maybe striving for more of the harmony versus a balance. Again, it really is that mental switch of, okay, maybe, you know, my nine to five data entry job isn't something that is going to help me cultivate these certain values that I'm trying to cultivate as a person. But also maybe there are opportunities to explore certain values that you can cultivate throughout that nine to five job. Like, I don't know, looking for those opportunities it can be beneficial. And also it can be beneficial to know that come 5.01 p.m. every, you know, every day, Monday to Friday, you can just turn your work mind off and switch into life mind or whatever you'd want to, whatever you want to call it. That can be incredibly beneficial too. So I think just having that awareness of what role then does your work play? Because for a lot of people, you know, when you spend 40 hours a week doing something that doesn't necessarily light you up, it's not necessarily something that you're super passionate about. Okay. I mean, that's, that's actually okay. So long as it serves you in some way and that you're aware of how it serves you, hmm. because I'm a firm, I'm a you know big proponent of the fact that what you do, whether work or your relationships or how you spend your leisure time in your activities, what you do should also serve you. Yeah. And that's really the only time that I ever <laughs> use the word should uh, in a positive way, because yeah. I do think that can be quite a harmful mentality to get caught in. But I, I truly do think that the way that you spend your time, whether that's at work or in your evenings or otherwise, it should serve you in some way in that moment and or, you know, in future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think you make a good point. Sometimes we, we, we are looking in the wrong places for what we want. Um, and that's perhaps because our, our focus isn't there and, and we, we aren't really connected with what we want. Um, but as soon as we make that connection and we start looking for what we want, it often shows up. And um, so if you're in a, a job that perhaps you don't like that much, if you know what your values are and you know what you sort of want to get the purpose of your life out of every day, Maybe you'll show up at work and see things differently and, and what you see then will help actually benefit you to enjoy your work more or, or your progression more as well. Yeah, I do think so. I think that if you let yourself or if you make it a point to guide your yourself and your day by those core values that you've identified for yourself that you hold fast to, hmm. uh, that can really make a big difference because I know 
you know, I've, I've worked in all kinds of different roles. I've, I've before, you know, doing the full-time entrepreneurship thing, I've, I've, I've worked shift work. I've worked freelance work. I've done nine to five. I've kind of done all across the board. And I found that I know as cliche as it sounds, like you really do get out of your work, what you bring into it. And Mm. so much of it is a more of a big picture mentality of, okay, I would start my day. Oftentimes if I were commuting to work, I would set an intention for my day. And it's not necessarily like, oh, I have these 10 things to do today. I'm going to do them. That's going to happen. I know that I'm going to do those 10 things, but it's okay. Today, I really want to practice cultivating patience, whether that's, you know, stopping for the full three seconds at the stop sign on my way to work, whether that's in when interacting with people, I really want to be present, give them my full attention, stop what I'm doing, you know, things like that. There are ways if you can just pick one of, you know, the values that you have or the qualities that you want to cultivate and find, just find a way to integrate it into your day, that can be meaningful. And Mm. if, especially if you really don't enjoy your job, then having that little moment of meaning can make a big difference. Absolutely. That's what it's about, isn't it? The little moments. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think it is really important. Like we're talking about, you got to have those values that you know, you know what you're about and you know what you want your life to be about. And this all sounds a bit esoteric if you don't necessarily know like, okay, well, I want to be happy and I I have a family, so I want them to be healthy. And and I think in addition to having those, those wants and aspirations, also think about, you know, those personal qualities that you really admire in other people or that you really want to embody. And maybe make a list of those things. I I think we just, we riddle ourselves with so many lists of, of goals, of short and long-term goals. And obviously goals are important to have, but also it's incredibly important and very, very valuable to have a list of, you know, three to five values, I would say, of like, what do you want your life to be about? What kind of person do you want to be? Because that is going to give you a lot of fulfillment in Mm. the end and that big picture perspective. Which is why we need to spend more time every day uh, in mindfulness practice, whether that's journaling or meditating or researching or studying i think we need to do more and more of that because that will align us more closely and gradually to those values i um what what sort of i know you've got you know 108 different practices in this book you've written i don't think we'll get time to go through of <laughs> but um <laughs> we've made a long time what sort of what's sort of what's your daily routine look like it's a good question There are a few different practices from the book and maybe a few not in the book that I make sure to integrate into my everyday. And of course, I keep them simple enough so that I can integrate them into everyday without them feeling like yet another obligation or, you know, responsibility or chore. So the first thing that I do, um, I mean, I'm I'm a big advocate of minimal social media. And so... I keep my phone out of my bedroom. I have, you know, I just got a cheap little knockoff Fitbit that I use as a vibrating um, wristband alarm in the morning so that 
first thing in the morning, it just buzzes and I get up and I get out of bed and I'm not checking my phone first thing because I want to set an intention for my day. I want to be the one guiding my day versus beginning my day by consuming content and maybe feeling anxious or stressed because I'm seeing, you know, an ad for the next formula or blueprint that I should be following. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it's simple, but that's a huge one. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I set an intention for my day. So I do this at the beginning of my workday and I just, it takes me, you know, less than a minute now because it's something that I've done for the last few years. But I just think of a quality that I want to practice or cultivate for the day. I don't get, you know, I don't make a big list. I don't think of how exactly I'm going to do it. I just sort of leave that, leave that little um, mark in my mind so that I can look for those opportunities throughout my day. Hmm. And I find that if I think of a specific word, then there will be an opportunity where my brain is like, oh, hey, remember this thing that you wanted to do today? Let's try it now. And that's good. There eh? you go. Yeah, yeah, it is. It works. Well, it's um, just setting that intention. I mean, that's why they say you know practices of gratitude. What you're grateful for every day in the morning. If you say it, um, your brain starts to to pick up on positives rather than negatives. So yes, um, it's the same with the intention, and, and same with your focus. Like if you wake up in the morning and start focusing on neg- like watch the news. That's saying that I think everyone should switch off. But, um, you know, things like that, they, it just sets the tone wrong and you start looking for that sort of stuff. Whereas if you yeah. wake up with nice affirmations or good intention or exercise and fresh air and deep breaths and, you know, all these all these positive things, I think it really sets a great tone for the day. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, there are countless studies on neuroplasticity and how we can actually change the structure of our, our brain by these small habits. Hmm. And we're just retraining our brain. It's it's crazy to even say something like that, but that's exactly what's happening. And Finally, it could happen it. faster, hey? I've got too much yeah. training to do. Yeah, well, it, all it needs is just something small but consistent. And it, it's not as glamorous, right, as saying, okay, you know, I have a four-day retreat and I'm going to retrain your brain in four days. Like I'm not, I'm not able to do that in a way that's going to yield those lasting results, at least not that I'm aware of uh, just yet, but it it is those small consistent practices that are going to lead to that. But I love that you brought up the gratitude as well, because that cycles me into my evening practices. And you mentioned as well that you have morning and evening practices. I think that's very important because a lot of People get caught up in the morning routine and forget about the evening. And then you lay in bed and it's like all of the files in the filing cabinet get into place and you're up for the next four hours trying to think about your day and forgetting or not being able to sleep. That's right. Yeah. And that's a hard one for me, the nightly routine, because normally you get to the end of the day and you're just like, ah. Um, So you really have to make it something that you look forward to. And um, certainly that's my focus at the moment. So we'll, yeah, we'll get I there. What um I love that. I just wanted to say that in the in the evening, one thing that I make a point to do, my partner and I do this, is we just say three things that we're grateful for that day. You know, and it can be about what happened that day, something about yourself that you're grateful for. Um, usually if we've, you know, had a particularly challenging interaction with someone, we try to say something that we appreciate or are grateful for about that person or interaction. And that 
can be very challenging, um, but is also a great way to reframe a perspective, whether about that situation or that person. It can be, it can be massive. That that is one that I would really recommend trying. I love that. And then regular journaling. What have, um, um, if you were to give um, just two of your practices to get people started with, uh, you know, some mindfulness in their daily life? What what would you say? Two two practices we could take away potentially and try. I would say if you're, you know, if you don't already have established practices, I would start in with that bedtime routine of saying out loud, yeah. even if it's just to yourself or even if you want to write it in a journal, three things that you're grateful for that day. Yeah. I think okay. that just use that one, yeah. go for it, see what happens. Um, and then have a morning routine of, again, short and simple. Maybe just close your eyes and take like five deep breaths, place your hands on your abdomen and push so that you are breathing out of your belly. And just to have, just to start your day by connecting with your body and having that quick check-in. I do this um, just three times a day before or around each meal so that I don't forget. I find if you have a habit and you kind of anchor it to another habit, that's a key way to yeah, that's a good idea. help yeah. it stick. Yeah. And that way you're checking in with your body. How are you feeling? Are you, you know, super stressed out and anxious? Are you feeling calm? Just because our body holds so much information mm. and you'll learn a lot about yourself. And I think too that connecting with yourself physically sometimes feels like the easiest starting point versus diving into maybe some of the mental and emotional stuff that's going on. Yeah, love it. Mate, look, we really appreciate your time. Um, you've got a website I believe people can go to. That's right. Which is yeah, melissasteganus.com. Melissa I'll stick the link in the show notes, guys, for all you, all you lovely people listening out there. This is episode 971, so you'll find that at thehiddenwhy.com. And any uh, final thoughts, Melissa, or anything you want to say to the audience? Thank you for your time. I think your time and your energy are your most precious resources, so I certainly appreciate you spending some of those resources listening to me. Absolutely. Love it. Thanks for coming on. And guys out there, check it out at thehiddenwhy.com, episode 971. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels, using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. 
You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose. And in doing so, you will discover your hidden why. This is The Hidden Why. My name is Lee Manutzi. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.